Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of my podcast. I'm your host, Lara, and today's episode, um, I'm going to talk about Islam because I think it's I think it's necessary to talk about this. And yeah, so Islam. Not many Americans know much about Islam and being somebody that lives in America. You know, I didn't know much about Islam in the first place. In fact, just taking a course on it actually like helped me understand a lot that I hadn't understood before because a lot of what I had been getting, a lot of the information had been from the media. Um, my lovely friend, Carl Ernst, who's not my friend, um, <laughs> who wrote an essay titled The Problem of Islamophobia, um, says that before 2001, survey data on American opinions regarding Islam revealed a fairly even split between positive and negative impressions of Islam, although the majority of Americans registered no opinion at all because of lack of any knowledge. But that balance has shifted over the past decade as negative perceptions of Islam have become more widespread. Now, this probably happened due to, and it did happen due to 9-11. And what happened um, during 9-11 and how um, terrorists bombed the World Trade Center and how it was seen as an Islam thing, as a Muslim thing, and how, um, you know, there were more conflicts and tensions between America and the West. And I'm not going to use the term the West because it's kind of strange term to me, <laughs> but uh, America, and there was a lot of tensions between America and Middle East, and American Muslims were brought into this, and Middle Eastern Muslims or Middle Eastern immigrants um, coming from the Middle East were brought into this, and, you know, Islam has been, it, it is a major religion and has been around for a long time. Um, it was, you know, really prevalent in you know, dating back, like, probably before BC. I'm not entirely sure about the numbers, but the Muslims in um, the Middle East have been ruling, had been ruling since maybe 1226. Um, and it's it's been around for a very long time. It's a very major religion. It's next to Christianity. It's one of the biggest. Um, but why don't we hear anything about it at all? You know, most of our information is from, you know, the media. But why is that? So first, I'm going to talk about the stereotypical Muslim, the Muslim that often people think of that, oh, that's a Muslim. Um, Someone who's Middle Eastern, who's male, and who's violent slash a terrorist. Um, In a book or article, uh, Contemporary Muslims in America, I believe... Hold on, let me find who it's by. Yes, so this is in a chapter um, in a book by Zain Abdullah um, called American Muslims in the Contemporary World. And um, he says, before 1965, for example, Muslim immigrants tended to be young, uneducated or unskilled and mostly male. These sort of um, stereotypes, you know, were um, persistent. They've been persistent. These stereotypes came from um, British colonizers and 
this it it goes all the way back, all the way back to when Britain first went around colonizing. And this is, you know, um, from the Keeping It One on One podcast with Elise and Megan. Um, they discussed how both scholars and military expansion are part of colonizing. And so the whole like colonization of a place has to do with both the military expansion of the place and then what people with those colonizers write about that place. So the scholars in that time decided that because Muslims were ruling, you know, the area since 1226 in the Middle East and how Hindus had been under their rule, um, they named these two religions themselves and they were thinking, you know, they said, okay, Muslims are inherently violent because they have been ruling. They have the military power. So this has perpetuated all the way until now. There's a lot of films, movies that cater to this idea, this image of an Arab Muslim male who's violent and who's a terrorist. Um, a lot of this is this way. Um, not to mention the multiple like wars and conflicts with the Middle East that have brought on negative views um, and have perpetuated negative views in the news and in like social media about Muslims. Um, and, you know, even a lot of this Islamophobia comes from institutional and inst institutions rather. Like for instance, in when 9-11 happened, um, the American government would censored um, Osama bin Laden's speech because they were clearly taking sides, even though they said that they weren't. You know, in George W. Bush's speech, he was talking about how this isn't a Muslim problem, that, you know, we love Muslims everywhere, and that um, this is, you know, like they, that people cannot be doing this in, like, like they cannot be, uh, <laughs> He was saying how you know this like terrorism can't be in the name of Islam. However, they the government worked extra hard to make sure that nobody in America got any exposure to Osama bin Laden's speech because if they did and you know Osama bin Laden said something that resonated with them, there would be more you know they would be more informed on their decision and they might not have supported the United States government in what they were doing, um, and the government was worried about that. So they clearly were taking sides there. Um, even though a lot of people died during this, there have been a lot of people who were dying before. So there's, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong. It's a very nuanced situation. It was a very nuanced situation, but rather, um, and the, you know, this Islamophobia persists in law enforcement, you know, like there are Islamophobic films and rhetoric constantly used in training law enforcement and training the FBI even. They're, they found countless, you know, films and only when people complained about these kinds of films being shown to trainees um, so that they can put, you know, extra security, extra surveillance on Muslims in America, for instance. Um, it was only when they complained that the Islamic, is, Islamophobic um, films were no longer part of the the curriculum, I should say. I'm not sure <laughs> what the real term is, but yeah. And not to mention, these stereotypes keep being perpetuated by people. For instance, there have been some ex-Muslims who are women who talk about how um, 
liberating it was that they were no longer Muslim and they no longer had to wear their hijab, which for them, that makes sense because, you know, it's, it's, a, per, it's a very personal thing. It doesn't have to do with like, um, it, it has to do with basically a, each person, each individual person and the way they want to express Islam. And if taking off their hijab and not wearing it was liberating to them, then that's what they should do. But it, wearing a hijab um, for a lot of Muslim women is liberating in itself, the act of wearing the hijab. And, you know, these these ex-Muslims, these women who, they go up and they feed this idea to the media, very exaggerated form, and it just perpetuates these sort of stereotypes. But more on the stereotypes about women, um, there are a lot of stereotypes about um, Muslim women that they're, one of the biggest is that they're oppressed by the men, that there's a lot of domestic abuse. And when there is cases of domestic abuse um, in households who do practice Islam, it's taken as an Islam issue and rather not like an actually like a domestic abuse issue um but somehow still these women these stereotypical muslim women are still somehow trying to force every woman to wear hijab so as carl ernst said neoconservative attacks on islam generally include a gender egalitarian and women's rights perspective this ostensible intervention on behalf of women oppressed by the sharia enforces Islam Islamophobia among Americans. It claims to be interested in saving Muslim women while simultaneously casting them as foreign and dangerous. In this way, turning women's bodies into the tools of political agendas of imperialism and minority discrimination. He also says, late on that same page, historical attempts to create anti-Sharia, which is um, anti-Muslim law, legislation implicitly target Muslim women by creating paranoid fantasies of Muslim takeovers of the constitution and the imposition of veils and burqas on American women. So there's this sort of like, we want to save you, but you could hurt us. So we don't like you, you're still an other. There's, you know, this othering of Muslims and Muslim women and Muslim men. Now, not every Muslim is this way. You know, Muslims come from many different countries. Like, I shouldn't have to say this, but, you know, not every Muslim is this way. Muslims come from, there's Muslims from China, there's Muslims from America, there's Muslims from the Middle East, from Latin America, you know? Um, and these, Islam arrived potentially in these different countries because of merchants um, slash traders, because of colonization or government slash military power um, in a podcast that I listened to called episode nine, Walking Qurans of Africa, Scholarship, Liberty, and the Abolition of Slavery. Um, in that podcast, they talk about how Islam in Sub-Saharan Africa was spread through merchants rather than through military power or through institutional power, and how Islam in other countries were spread through institutional power like governments, and how Islam came to America through the slave trade um, even before America had become a country, and it later it was diminished and later was later did reappear. Um, and everyone's Islam is different and it all depends on a variety of things as most things in the world do. Um, so the way Islam is perceived by the government because some governments may consider themselves Islamic governments and Muslim governments. So they might have a take on Sharia um, and they might impose that on the people who are living in the country and other countries might be might not be Muslim countries. So 
their Islam looks slightly different in those certain communities. And then it even goes even smaller to just the communities, you know, the different regions and the different cultures in those regions. Like for instance, the Islam in black America, you know, America is America uh, for everybody. Like, okay, but like the Islam in, um, in urban areas might be different than the Islam in more suburban areas of America, let's say. Um, and Islam also depends, you know, on the resources available to those people who are practicing. You know, if they're wealthy, um, if they're upper middle class or high class, upper upper class, sorry, <laughs> um, or if they're um, lower class, um, lower class, is that the right word? Yeah. Um, so that's what you know, really depends on it. Um, and, you know, it goes down even to the individual person. Every person was brought up differently. Um, every person is, every individual has the right to interpret Islam the way they want to. So in contemporary Muslims in America, um, Zain Abdullah also says the LGBT Muslim community has likewise become more visible and added their voice to the debate on Islamic authenticity. Its members have challenged the propen propensity to define Muslim family life in exclusively heterosexual terms. And this is just one, you know, different class of, not class, <laughs> different kind of Muslim. You know, there's Muslims who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. There's Muslims who are women or who are of other genders that are not male. There's Muslims that have all sorts of kinds of jobs from, you know, like, I don't know, working to a supermarket or being a businesswoman or being a teacher or a dentist, a doctor, a lawyer, a writer, a painter. They have all kinds of beliefs and all kinds of upbringings due to you know, the environment around them. So at the end of the day, Muslims are humans too. And I, I shouldn't have to say that. You know, um, in the Keeping It 101 podcast, Elise talks about um, colonization and how Britain um, and br the British colonized um, the Middle East and how they basically just single-storied them. She says, never mind that these wide, wide swaths of humanity speak different languages have different cultural norms or different ethnicities, even within one region, and are represented across a wide range of skin tone, physical appearances, etc. All of that's irrelevant. Their Islam defined them, which it shouldn't be that way because Islam is just, their Islam is one singular part of them and they're a human being too. So there's many different parts. And often the rhetoric used around Islam or Islam and a lot of Islamophobia that's, you know, institutionalized and sort of stuck in our society makes it hard for one to think of them as, you know, just a, a, a person. Like humans are so diverse because of the different environments that one could create and how different each human is to one another. And I think oftentimes we tend to forget that. We think of this one stereotype that we have in our head and we don't really think about this person is a person, you know? Um, so, you know, Muslims, just like everyone else, come in different shapes and sizes and from different places. And the reason why it's so hard to think of them this way, I don't even want to use the word them because, you know, they're people, right? 
um, is because of all the raging Islamophobia that has stuck around for so many years. The, Islam the Islamophobia is, you know, it's, it's so embedded in the way that we operate, in the way that, you know, law enforcement operates, in the way that governments operate. Um, so how can we educate ourselves and others? You know, this is super necessary because as humans, you know, now it's much more um, prevalent. A lot of the media is talking about, you know, educating oneself on everybody because you can't go into life, you know, thinking that it's okay if you don't attempt to understand other people because they're going to attempt to understand you and it's important to educate yourself on what is actually, what are the facts instead of what you hear, you know, through media and through things that are clearly biased when you see the facts and you see what these people do, like they're not an other. Oftentimes people are like, oh, the Muslim world and the rest of us. That's a, it's very like not okay because the Muslim world is our world too. Muslims are everywhere just as Christians are everywhere, just as like, everyone's everywhere just people are everywhere so i just wanted to bring attention to the fact that you know islam is so diverse and it's super beautiful to see like different kinds and cultures that are so diverse and i you know i want to shed light on the fact that oftentimes um one often doesn't think of them that way and we should because everybody deserves to be um, respected and understood. So yeah, um, thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.